Hey everybody, welcome to the Ohio Bigfoot Podcast. I am your host, Mike Hartman. And uh, right off the rip, I want to apologize to you because winter has decided to not go away. Therefore, you get to hear my furnace blower going still from my wood-burning furnace. But I'm just a sharing individual. So, sorry about that, but thank you for tuning in. And today we're going to talk about becoming, being, and what it is to be a Bigfoot sighting or incident investigator and how to conduct on investigations with dealing with the witnesses. It's something that you don't hear a lot of people talk about is those little ins and outs, those little um, tedious things that you have to do or should do or what to expect if you've never been on an investigation before, how to get into investigations, because after all, uh, you know... I have the OhioBigfootProject.com, but the main ship is the Ohio Bigfoot Research and Investigation Center, and I've been doing sighting investigations now for, oh, right around 20 years, I would say. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's been... Well, I've been on investigations for 20 years. I'll put it that way. I was shadowed. But uh, I started, yeah, holy crap. Yeah, I guess it has been 20 years. Never mind. Uh, I'm a little older than I thought. Well, that sucks. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, today we're going to talk about, let's just get into it. Sighting investigations. Here we go. Okay, so what is a sighting? sighting investigator basically they're your detectives of the bigfoot world if you ever had to call the police and they pull out that notepad start writing notes what happened blah 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 that's you that's what an investigator is you're the detective slash court reporter slash um Dictionary of information for people. That's the best way to put it. And uh, I very much enjoyed. I'm sorry, I got paused for a second. I got the daggum hiccups. Okay, there we go. So yeah, I've been doing investigations for quite a while. I really enjoy it. Um. But there are some things that you're not going to expect to happen while doing investigations. But first of all, let's get into how you start with being a sighting investigator or incident investigator. Because basically you're looking for people who have had some type of incident with a Bigfoot that are willing to talk about it, even though right at first they may not be willing to talk about it. 
So one of the old school ways that we used to do it was to go into uh, general stores and put little cards up. Have you seen a Bigfoot? Contact, blah, blah, blah. Um, one of the things that we used to do back in the day was to put articles in or ads in the local newspaper. And yeah, it was crazy about, you know, this was before the internet. So you would put an ad in the local newspaper, you know, have you seen a Bigfoot call this number? And everything was done over the phone. Now you have text and email and uh, so many more avenues to do it, do things. Myself, I have my website. OhioBigfootProject.com, where there's a sighting incident report form that people can fill out and then just shoot it straight to my email. Uh, word of mouth helps, um, especially around state parks like Mohican or Salt Fork, or if there's a uh, uh, those bulletin boards at the trailheads anywhere, put a card in there. Um, if there's a lodge, uh, the closest local restaurants will often have a cork board up front where people leave the park after a day of hiking. They go grab a bite to eat. Uh, so business cards is a big help. And no, this is not a ad for them, but when it comes to uh, having business cards made, I absolutely love Staples because I can go staples.com, I believe it is, in the morning or even in the afternoon, design the card, get 250 of them for, I want to say around... $14, I think, maybe 20 at the most, but it's literally same day. The day you order those cards, I have never had to wait overnight. Anytime I've ordered business cards from Staples, I've received them within three, four hours, so that's why I use them. I love that quick service. So that's just a few ways to get your name out there anyways <clears throat> and then though brc we collect anywhere from as little as five to as many as 30 incident reports a year generally over the summer months and uh yeah we I like to do it through the website myself because then I can read the form. And if there's talks, like I had someone send me a, a sighting report once and I was so excited, so excited. It, it, it sounded like a fantastic report. So I emailed back and then I got a return email that they would, if I, I got along with them and they got along with me, 
that they would take me to a very special spot where I could watch the Bigfoot load and unload from the mothership. And it's like, yeah, that one's out. I'm not, nope, not doing that one. So it kind of gives you a feel for the individual. And a lot of times these people, they don't want, the ones that give me the least information are the ones that I like the best. Because they're the ones that kind of feel awkward speaking about it or may not want to speak about it or fear of being ridiculed. So, if I get a sighting report that is just a report, but, you know, that that's those are the ones that I look for, and I look for details. Details about what happened. The more details someone gives me up front is great because it gives me a baseline. Then when I make my first initial contact, I can go over some of the details on the phone... And if they match what was originally written with, within a margin, I mean, I expect maybe a, a slight difference here, a slight because di- you're you're basically playing on someone's memory, and sometimes, you know, you remember things more the second time around or the third time around, and slight details change. That's acceptable. What I don't want to see is big changes. So, you know, like, oh, wait, wait, no, that's right. There was five of them. And it's like, all right, no, here we go. We're done. But, you know, if it goes from maybe six foot to six and a half to dark to dark red, that's okay. There is allowances. So I like to uh, do it through the website myself because then I get that initial description of what happened and then when I make first contact if everything matches within the margin then it's like great would you meet with me and this is the hard part is prompting these because I've had a lot of people no I don't want to meet you and that's okay and I've had some that wanted to meet with me, but were very reserved about it. And there was two types of that one. The first type is the person that it's almost like in their mind they expect you to show up and uh, jump out with a megaphone and, hey, hey, everybody, listen up. This guy said he's seen Bigfoot, you know, and it's like, no, no, I, you know, it's very discreet. Um, the other kind is the one that's nervous about meeting you kind of alone in, a, I guess, a non-public setting like where the sighting happened because they think you're a nutcase. And so a lot of times, you know, you have to, you know, hey, look, I got a family, da-da-da, you know, I'm a bow hunter, I'm a fly fisher, I'm an angler, this is a hobby and an interest of mine, I would love to meet with you, finally they agree, and then you're off to that first meeting. 
most generally they'll meet with you. But there was one incident where there was a, a report came to me. I made contact with them. <clears throat> we agreed to meet. I went to the location. I let, called them, let them know they was there. They said, okay. You know, they were on their way. And about 10, 15 minutes later, I got a phone call. I said, look, I just don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. And uh, it was at Mohican Memorial Forest. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. Would you be willing to do this? And I said, you know, do you know where the McDonald's is in town? He said, yes. I said, great. I said, how about we meet up at the McDonald's? I'll buy us a couple of fries. And there's a, an old cemetery right beside the McDonald's. And if you like history, there's some really cool old, old headstones in there. Would you just meet with me, walk around, look at old headstones, and snack on some french fries? Well, they agreed to do that, and so the couple met up with me. So we met at the McDonald's, and uh, I told them, you know, look, I'm buying. Order anything you want. The young lady ordered a uh, Oreo McFlurry. He ordered a large fry and a Coke, and then I ordered a fry and a Coke, and we did just that. We walked over to the cemetery. We walked around just looking at old headstones and the dates and how they used to ride on them, which has always fascinated me. But it just gave an end to where they got to know me a little bit. I got to know them, but most importantly... It allowed them to get comfortable with me. So, after 15 minutes, half an hour of walking around, it's like, you know what, I think we're ready to go out there and tell you what happened. And it's like, fantastic. I want you to know, though, it's okay if you don't. If, you, if we get back to our cars... And you guys want to just call it a day and go home, that's fine. But I'm here for you. So if you want to go out there, I would love to. And we ended up going out to where the incident with them happened. And all because, you know, at first they didn't want to. They weren't going to. I simply offered french fries and a walk through a cemetery something completely opposite and you know the young lady enjoyed her McFlurry me and him snacked on french fries and drinking cokes and I was joking around with them and they were joking with me and we were laughing and um, it was a really enjoyable time and that led to let's go to where it happened so we arrived on location and <clears throat> I asked them, take me to where you were at, where you were standing or what you were doing. And they did. And uh, 
Okay, next question. Where did you see what you saw? Where was it? And uh, they pointed it out. And me, I'm a bow hunter. So I always, always, always have on me my laser range finder. And I like to be interactive with these people because it helps bring those memories back. So I asked them, you know, do you two ever bet against each other or anything like that? And, well, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, because they were a couple. And, you know, and I was like, okay. <clears throat> well, I have a laser rangefinder, and it's going to tell me the exact distance. So, just for fun, let's see who's closer. How far away, how many yards do you think it is from point A to point B? And he made his guess. She made her guess. Actually, she ended up being correct, or at least closer than him. And then they were both curious about my laser rangefinder. So I was like, all right, give me just a second. <clears throat> and I, I picked a target which was a tree, a pine tree. And I moved my foot on the ground to mark dirt around so that it was would be in the same spot. And I wrote down what I was seeing on the screen of my rangefinder. And I then handed it to him and asked him to uh, uh, tell me what the symbols were around the distance. And then I had heard of the same thing. And then I explained to them what those symbols would mean to them from the position of a bow hunter, which they found very, very interesting. But again, it, it had nothing to do with Bigfoot. What it had to do with was making a connection with them. And when you can make a connection with that witness... That is imperative. You have to, um, you never know what to expect. And I learned on this investigation, for instance, that as an investigator, it's a pretty good idea to carry Kleenex because it took her to a mind space where she actually was upset and crying at one point. And um, <clears throat> I felt bad because I didn't have any Kleenex or anything. But I did have the uh, napkins from the McDonald's bag. So I ran back to the vehicle, grabbed those, ran back, handed those to her. And yeah, it, it, it was unexpected. But now I know to carry Kleenex on me. And, you know, I, I sh a lot of it is assurance, you know. You don't want to, if you have doubts on an incident investigation, just keep them to yourself. Don't tell them. Don't ridicule the other people, da-da-da. Now, this one was very legit, very creditable. Um, and I was convinced that they had seen a Bigfoot. So, and I let them know that. I gave them that reassurance. But then I went the extra step to give them the reinsurance of, 
you know, it, it was a scary thing to witness. I know where you're at. I know where you've been because <clears throat> I've been there myself. It is a scary thing to witness. But you just said it yourselves. It turned and left. You didn't leave. It left the area first. You stood here. It left. And that's generally how every sighting goes is the Bigfoot leaves first. And so don't be afraid to come back out here. And any connection you can make with a witness, you know, um, what were you guys doing out here? Well, we were just hiking. Oh, I love hiking. I like hiking with my kids and, you know, or, well, I was fishing. Oh, I love to fly fish and I'm a angler as well. I, I, I regular fish, you know, rod reel, uh, casting rod, but. I also fly fish. Do you fly fish? No. Well, man, we should meet up down here sometime. You know, it's a great place. There's some brown trout right down here. And uh, yeah, any inn that you can find, uh, you know. Now, I've met people in the woods who are bird watchers, and I know nothing about bird watching. But I told them the story of the time that I got the crap bit out of me by a cardinal. And they found it hilarious and was laughing about it, but it made a connection. And that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to make them feel more at ease about being in the woods with a complete stranger, especially one that's questioning them about possible Bigfoot activity. Collecting that activity. I have used audio recorders to collect the details. I've used a video camera. But over the years, I have learned to rely on good old pen and paper. Because I've had videos get lost. I once accidentally recorded or uh, erased an entire 45-minute-long podcast episode, Gone Forever. So I like pen and paper. And I like to figure out the distance of the animal, the height, the color, what it was doing, what they were doing, every little detail. No matter how big, small, or insignificant, every single detail. And then I always tell them that I'm going to follow up when I get home and I write all this out. So I will write out my entire investigation and I will send it to them and ask them to proofread it and see if there's anything that I've missed or anything I forgot to mention. Generally, it's like, oh, it was da-da-da or it was da-da-da. No, I don't throw off on purpose. I literally just didn't make a note of it. And then um, after I get that, I'll put it together. And it, I'll keep it under wraps for about a year. And then I'll put it on the website. But 
generally speaking, any sighting report I get this year, you won't hear about until next year. Um, I'll say, hey, I had, because, well, okay, this year I've already had one sighting report, and it was in the general vicinity of Salt Fork State Park. But that's going to be all the details that you would get until next year, because it's, to me, what I consider an active investigation. But details matter. Getting all those details down, that matters. So, yeah, I'm finding ends, finding what, connecting with the witnesses, and understanding that these witnesses sometimes do not want to come forth, and when they don't, don't get mad at them because they don't. It's their choice, not yours. Um, you have to, you have to be very lenient. So that's it for this episode. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Uh, like I said, I do have some interviews lined up. They will be coming up shortly. All right now, this for me, this is just a podcast weekend. So have a great, I don't know, rest of March, everybody. And uh, we'll see you soon.